Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We're going to have a good time this morning as we study something that is beginning to creep up in the Christian faith, and I thought that we should take a look at it from God's Word concerning the redemption of firstborn. Let's pray and get into the Word. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. I thank you because I'm anointed to teach, and I thank you because your people are anointed to receive, and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that insight and understanding will be granted to us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Alright, so in recent times, um, from time to time, you will observe that certain things creep into the body of Christ. And uh, if they are not addressed, they, they, they become so popular that a generation just grows up practicing it without probably questioning it. And so, one of the things that is beginning to come into the Christian faith gradually is the issue of uh, the redemption of firstborn. And uh, where well, some of you would not have had the experience, some would have had, that if you have a firstborn son, then uh, he needs to be redeemed and you have to bring certain amount of money to the church and then the pastor have to pray for it to be redeemed, for he or she to be redeemed now. And um, again, building from that teaching, you now also have certain people teach that the firstborn child uh, is actually under a certain curse and that the firstborn child needs a special firstborn deliverance service. How many of us have seen something like that? Praise God. Am I the only one that has seen something like that? I'm the only one? Okay. Some of you have even gone for, you have not only seen, so you don't fit in, you have participated. Now, it's important for us to understand something. That the Bible can be used to defend anything you want to defend with it. That's very important. So, proper interpretation of scripture is critical to the Christian faith. Because that is how conviction is built. Conviction is built based on the doctrine of God's word. So, on the issue of the firstborn son, I'm going to teach on what the double portion means when Elijah, Elijah asks Elijah for the double portion. That's something else. But I want to deal this morning on the issue of redeeming the firstborn. The word firstborn appears a total of 130 times in scriptures. You find, you find it appearing um, 103 times in the Old Testament and then the rest in the New Testament. Between Genesis to Deuteronomy, the word appears 79 times. Okay, the word firstborn appears 79 times between Genesis and Deuteronomy. And in First Chronicles, it appears 29 times. So if you add up from Genesis to Deuteronomy and in First Chronicles, you have 103 times in the Old Testament. And then the rest of it you find in the New Testament. Now, it is also important for us to understand the background with which the Old Testament was written. 
the Old Testament essentially was a foreshadow of the New Testament. What that means is that the Old Testament was uh, was not the real thing. It was it was pointing to the real thing. It was a foreshadow of the New Testament. Paul writing about Jesus Christ tells us that Jesus is the substance. Now interestingly, the whole drama about the firstborn started in Exodus chapter 12. So we turn there now. Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to read from verse 29. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 29. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 39. 29 to 31. I need you to follow so that when you also hear people say things like this, you can point them to the scriptures. If you are there, say amen. All right. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 29 to 30, 31. It says, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was no one dead. Then he called out for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. <clears throat> now, I want you to pick out something here. Um, the, 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 the ten plagues that happened in Egypt... Why was the firstborn the big deal for Pharaoh? Or why was God displaying his power against Pharaoh in terms of the firstborn? The first thing you must realize is that if you study uh, Egyptian mythology or you study history concerning Egypt, Pharaoh was referred to as the firstborn of the gods. Pharaoh was referred to as the firstborn of the gods. So Pharaoh himself thought he was like the firstborn of the gods, the, the Egyptian gods, whatever gods they were. Then they had several gods. Now, why was there 10 plagues, 10 Bible numerology, Bible numbers, 10 is the number of judgments because tallies with the 10 plagues that came. But, uh, but Egypt had several gods and part of the gods that were addressed by God, by Almighty God, were in each of those 10 uh, plays. But the one that hit Pharaoh the most was the one that touched the firstborn. Because it was assumed that he was the firstborn of the gods and automatically also his son who was the firstborn was going to become ruler after him. And that was the final straw. But that's where the engagement of the firstborn started. But that was on the side of Pharaoh. But on the side of the children of Israel, an instruction was given. Exodus 12 again, 21, 21 to 23. Exodus 12. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Now, why was it called Passover lamb? Why was it called Passover lamb? It was called Passover lamb because the dead angel was going to go through the through Egypt and anywhere they see the blood, they were going to pass over. Right. Right. Okay. Don't be tempted to say left when I say right. 
<laughs> okay. All right. So, 22. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike in the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will do what? Pass over. That's where the, that feast came from. The Lord will pass over, okay, and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. So this was to become an ordinance. Now, that feast was now instituted as the Passover feast. It became uh, one of the primary feasts, which was the beginning of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. What that means is that that was the time that Israel actually gained their freedom. Now, because the Old Testament is a foreshadow of the New Testament, that Passover lamb, Jesus, became our Passover lamb. That when we accept the Lord, that is when we are actually now delivered from the world, which is a type of Egypt. Praise God. Okay, now in Exodus chapter 13, now remember now, in Exodus chapter 12, God instituted the Passover lamb, they got the, the, they got the freedom, and now they were going. Now God began to speak about the firstborn. So in Exodus chapter 13, it's going to be brief, it's, it's simple, it's not, uh, it's not too much drama here. Verse 2, then the Lord said to Moses, saying, verse 2 now, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Now, the word, now listen carefully now, this is where the instruction concerning the firstborn started now. The word consecrate there in the, Greek, in the Hebrew means to set apart. That's what it means to consecrate, to set it apart. Now, God now gives an instruction. Remember, in Exodus chapter 12, the Passover lamb has been instituted. The Passover feast has been instituted. The firstborn of Egypt now um, is dead. They have been delivered now. God is now giving them an instruction for their journey. So, God tells Moses, he says, verse what? Where are you guys now? Verse 2, consecrate to me all the firstborn, Whatever opens the womb. Observe the word, whatever opens the womb. Now God says, both man and beast is mine. So a principle was instituted here. That the first thing that comes out of the womb belongs to God. That's one. Now if you go further, the first fruits that come out of the ground belongs to God. That's where the, the concept of the first fruit offering came from. And I've taught you that about that. The only time you read about first fruit is in the Old Testament. When you read it in the New Testament, it refers to something else. I've taught on that. Now, Exodus 13, 15 now. Exodus 13, verse 15. Now, now, remember... I said that the killing of the firstborn was a big deal because the firstborn was significant for Pharaoh. Now, why did the Lord ask that the firstborn be separated to him? The reading is in Exodus chapter 13. 
Let's look at verse, from verse 11 now to 15, verse 11 to 15. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he saw to you and your fathers, and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord. What did I say the word consecrate means? I can't hear you. Perfect. That you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. Now, the Lord begins to specify now that the male shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break his neck. And all the firstborn of a man among your sons you shall redeem. So it shall be, listen carefully, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts. Therefore, therefore, because of these, therefore, therefore, if you put therefore in a statement, it means you're saying it because something has happened before. All right. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a sign on your hand and as frontlet between your eyes, for by strength of the hand of the Lord, he brought us out of Egypt. So God begins to give them a reason why he says the firstborn should be redeemed. And what is that reason? He says, listen, because the Lord struck Egypt and the firstborn of Egypt, both men and beast were killed. Because of that, the Lord is asking for the firstborn of both animals and men to be separated unto him. Now, this is what happened. There were three things required there. I'll just talk about this now. There are three things required there. You can read Numbers chapter 18, verse 15, Numbers, Exodus 13, verse 13. I'll give you a lot of scriptures, but if you want to study for that, you can go and study them. There are three things required there. Number one, the firstborn of every clean animal was to be sacrificed. So just write these scriptures down. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 6. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 12. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 20. And Numbers chapter 18 and verse 15 to 17. So you have Deuteronomy 12, 6. Exodus 13, 12. Exodus 34, 20. Numbers chapter 18, verse 15 to 17. Now this is it. The firstborn of every clean animal was to be sacrificed. The firstborn of the clean animals were to be put on the altar, were to be sacrificed, or to be given to the priests. Now, unclean animals were either redeemed or sold. So, you know, in the Old Testament, we don't have time to go through that, but you know, there were clean animals and unclean animals. So, if the animal was a clean animal before the Lord, what's going to happen? You would sacrifice it. So, you take the first one and sacrifices, alright? Now, if the animal is not clean, Instead of sacrificing it, you sold it and then you brought the money to the priest. Now that is where the word redeem comes from. Because the word redeem means to buy back. Okay. Are you still here? Okay. Now, but if the animal was a donkey, <laughs> I don't know what was it about donkeys. 
But if the animal was a donkey and you were using the donkey for your farm work, it was very useful to you, you will redeem it. But if the donkey was not very useful, let's say it was a lazy donkey, and you don't want to redeem it because it makes no, no sense selling it, nobody wants to buy it, then the way you offered it to the Lord was to break his neck. <laughs> Exodus 13, 13 and Exodus 24, verse 20. All right. Now, the idea is basically, listen, this thing belongs to God. So anyway, you have to give it to him. All right. But then, God couldn't ask for the firstborn to be sacrificed to him. So, when you had your firstborn, you were to pay some amount of money. It's like saying, this child belongs to God, right? This is an example now. This child belongs to God, so I give the child to God, and I say, hey God, I'll still need the child back, right? So, I'm going to give you such an amount of money, and then I can have my son back. So, in that way, you had redeemed your son. What does redemption mean? To buy back, right? You need to follow me now. You need to follow me. What does redemption mean? To buy back. So, if God had your son and you gave him some money, what's going to happen? And you give God some money, what's going to happen? And you get the child back. Who is doing the redemption? Who is doing the redemption now? That's very important. That's very important. You are the one doing the redemption because you are the one buying the child back. So, he says, you can redeem your firstborn. Okay. The amount for redemption was five shekels. How much is that now? No idea. <laughs> well, I know how much is it, but I don't want to say it because then some people will listen to the message upside down and go and start paying that money too. So I'll just leave it that way. Numbers chapter 3. You know how all of these things excite us? These are the kind of things we like. What money has done to the gospel, only God can take it out. Money, money, listen, money. I'm going to teach a full session on mammon. You know, the only thing God compared to himself in the whole of scriptures is not even the devil. Is money. What money has done to the gospel. It's terrible. Everywhere. Numbers 3, 47. Some of these doctrines are just based on money. Nothing else. Numbers 3, 47 now. Are you there? <laughs> uh, thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Mm, can we read from verse... Uh, let's read from verse 39. And all the Levites, and all who were numbered of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron numbered at the commandment of the Lord by their families, and all the males from a month old above were 22,000. Now what happened, let me give you a background before we read so you understand it. What happened is after the children of Israel started going into the land of Canaan, God did something called replacement right here. And he said, instead of getting all the firstborn, I am going to now replace the firstborn of Israel with the tribe of Levi. 
Are, are you following this? That's what we're going to read. So I, I want to explain to you, then we read it. So he's saying, inside of, let's say, all of you here are the children of Israel. And all of you need to give me my first, your firstborn, right? And then I just decided, okay, fine. This was going to happen. Instead of one, two, three, which are the tribes of Israel, everybody bring in, let a certain family represent you. That's very important because now we're moving into representation. This is, this is very important because this is where Jesus comes in. Now he says, what's going to happen is you're going to pay those guys as it were, and they are not going to represent you. So the first thing God did was to count. So let's read now. You understand it as we read on. And all... Uh, so much to read now. Maybe we should just read the whole Bible, right? Okay. Verse And all who were numbered of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron numbered, at the commandment of the Lord by the families, all the males from among old and above were 22,000. Then the Lord said to Moses, Number all the firstborn males of the children of Israel, from among old and above, and take the number of their names. And you shall take the Levites for me. Look at that, that verse 41. I am the Lord. Instead, Instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel and the livestock of the Levite, instead of all the livestock among the livestock of the children of Israel. The word instead there is in the place of. So God says, right now, number all the children of Israel, the firstborn male. And then he says, now number the children, the Levite. And now you shall take for me the Levite instead of the firstborn of the children of Israel. The word instead there means in place of. So instead of bringing the firstborn in place of the firstborn of the children of Israel, the Levites were going to represent them. Okay. So Moses numbered all the firstborn among the children of Israel as the Lord commanded him. And all the firstborn males according to the number of names from among and above. Of those who were numbered of them were 22,273. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the Levites, verse 45, instead of all the firstborn among your children of Israel and the livestock of the Levite instead of their livestock. The Levites shall be mine. So you see, the narrative is changing. God started out, are you following me? Okay, God started out by saying, I want you to give me your firstborn. And then they get to this place and God said, this is what's going to happen. Number your, all your firstborn and get the Levites. Now, I want the Levites instead of your firstborn because I want the Levites to now represent your firstborn. Because they are going to become the priesthood family. So here God started by introducing, or rather here God starts the concept of um, identification because that's what Christ now did for us as we progress with the message that the Levites were going to take the place of the firstborn of the children of Israel let's read on now then the Lord spoke to Moses saying take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel and the livestock of the Levites instead of their livestock the, the Levites shall be mine I am the Lord now, you realize something here very carefully now. Now, every firstborn in Israel was no longer needed as it were now to be because right now someone is representing them. 
So that representation, they will not have to do the redemption to that representation. Okay. Let's read it now. And for the redemption of the 273 of the firstborn of children of Israel, who are among the number of the Levites, you shall take five shekels each for each one individually. You shall take them in the currency of the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 geras. And you shall give the money with which the excess number of them is redeemed to Aaron and his sons. So this is where some preachers who don't know what they are doing exactly teach from. Asking you to bring money so that they can redeem your firstborn. But what they forget is you cannot build a doctrine based on this verse alone. Because if you are collecting money today, 2019, as it were, for the redemption of people's firstborn, then you have to collect all the sacrifices that were in the Old Testament. You also have to sacrifice bulls, lamb. You know, the problem is this. When it comes to the money issue, we quickly grab everything in the Old Testament and we leave everything else. We said, oh, Christ has fulfilled everything. But we don't want Christ to also fulfill the one that consigns money because that one impacts us directly. Verse 49. So Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those who were redeemed by the Levites. For the firstborn of children of Israel, he took the money, 1,365 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons, according to the word of the Lord, as the Lord has commanded. Now, so we find out that when all the census was done, 22,273 were the people, the number of people who you know, were redeemed and all that. Now, for the laws concerning the redemption of firstborn, you find a lot of laws concerning the redemption of firstborn, but I want to go from there. So I want to give you a couple of scriptures. If you want to study further, Exodus 13, 12 to 15. Exodus 22, verse 29. Exodus 34, verse 20. Numbers chapter 3 and verse 45. Numbers chapter 8 and verse 17, 16 and 17. Leviticus chapter 12 and verse 2 to 4. Exodus 13, 12 to 15. Exodus 22, 29. Exodus 34, 20. Numbers 3, 45. Numbers 8, 16 to 17. Leviticus chapter 12, verse 2 to 4. Now, the situation we just read in Numbers shows us the willingness of God to take a particular tribe to represent the other tribes. That was in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament... Jesus is referred to as the firstborn. The first thing is Jesus is the Passover lamb. Right? Jesus is our Passover lamb. So the concept of the Passover have been fulfilled in Christ. One of the statements Jesus was big on saying all the time was, I have come to fulfill the law. You see, what people don't understand about this is that it's like saying you have, you know, people 
think about the commandments, you will be joking to think that you will be joking to think that there were only 10 commandments that God gave them to obey. There were actually 663 commandments. And the Jews up to today still take it seriously. I'll give you an example. A couple of months ago, I traveled and I wanted to order something. And the shop is an online shop. It's an online shop. But it was owned by Jews. We wanted to buy something, something for our camera. It was owned by Jews. Do you know that from Friday 12 midnight to Sunday, right? Is it Sunday now? Yeah, I think so. The shop was shut down. Online. They just said it's, they cannot do anything on the Sabbath. It's just there. So every Friday midnight to about 12 o'clock, their shop was shut down. Because by the law, you could not do anything on the Sabbath. To show you how they take it seriously, even their online shops respect the Sabbath. You think you can keep that law? You can't. So what Jesus did was to take our place, fulfill the law on our behalf, and say, listen, if you have faith that I've done this for you, then you also have fulfilled the law. But we don't want that. Why? Because it, it, it does not show, there's no work in it. And meanwhile, the work of God is to believe. There's so much unbelief in our hearts, and the scripture calls the heart of unbelief, the wicked heart of unbelief. You know, most, some of the decisions we take is because we don't trust God. A believer who is stealing at his workplace to make money and rationalizing it is because he, dis, he does not believe that God can bless him if he lives righteously. That's healthy. There's no corruption anywhere in the country. If we stop the corruption in the church, it will stop in the country. That's the truth. If we stop collecting money from thieves, if we stop, if we, if we tell ourselves by the truth that we want to live by God's word, Nigeria will become better. The church is responsible for the mess in the country. Nobody else. Praise God. Uh, uh, I don't even want to go there. Someone will rig an election. Everybody know, international observer, local observer, non-observers know that this election was rigged and yet a minister of the gospel would give an opportunity to such man to stand on the pulpit to thank God. Thank God for what? For successful rigging. You know, we laugh about these things, but that's, where we, that's why we don't have lights. That's why we don't have good roads. Because there's a collaboration between those in the pulpit and those in the pew to ruin the country. Praise God. Once you become a local government chairman now, we'll move you from the back to the front. Even though you don't, you don't know scriptures. They will always give you time to say something. Say what? The one place you should come and your wealth does not matter to anybody should be the church of the living God. Doesn't matter how much you own. In 
the church, we are all equal by the word of God and by the blood of Jesus. It's the same blood that was shed for the rich man that was shed for the poor man. Glory to God. Praise God. And if we keep shouting this every day, our country will get better. Do we need money for the gospel? We need money, but we need only clean money. Praise God. I don't think I'm preaching this because I'm poor. Proverbs 3.9. This is a digression, so I'll take extra five minutes from your time. This is national di digression. Give me Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. I want it from the Amplified Version. From the Amplified Version. Proverbs 3.9. Amplified Version, guys, quickly. Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labors. That's, go read the Amplified Version. If you just read, honor the Lord, you think, oh, God says bring all kinds of money. No, no. From righteous labors. We cannot buy God. We cannot bribe God. We cannot use money to kill our conscience and feel that, yes, because I've paid my tithe. Because I've given. You know, people come, oh, pastor, pray for me. When this happens, I'm going to give something to the church. You know, immediately you say that, I'll never pray for you. I've had many people like that. I just want you to pray. If God just do this, by the time God just do it, I will just do something for you. Do what? So if God doesn't do it, you won't do anything. Then we're we'll letting him not just do it and don't, don't just do anything. Let's both of us not do anything. Am I a contractor? If you need anything from God, ask him. What exactly do you want to do? How much do you really think that you have? God will move heaven and earth to fund his work. My last trip, I don't know if my wife shared testimony with you. I'm, I'm doing something in our community school. We're trying to build a school for the, for the guys in one of our mission stations so, he, so people can go to school, nice school at a very cheap price. I was sitting in a church of 5,000 people in Detroit, in the U.S., sitting in a church of 5,000 people. A lady sitting at this end, I was sitting at this end. We finished service, she walks up to me and says, I've been praying for five years. And God said, I was going to sow a particular amount to a guy from Africa who's got a project. And the Lord told me when the service was going on that it was you. Gives me $1,500. I don't know anybody in the church. Praise God. You think if I stand here and say, I want to open a school. Give me something. Give me something. What's going to happen? Ah, every day. Every day. Always has something to do. What is he even doing with the money? They are going to ask him, where's the account? Let's see. The money we have brought. I don't understand how they are doing it. And he just bought a new tile. He just, the, the way, every time they just give something, they will just, it doesn't, that's, that's what you're going to talk about. Just as I teach you to live by faith, I also live by faith. Are you following this? Righteous labels. I believe that I'm saying this because God needs someone in this church to repent from stealing money. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. And it's a word of knowledge. Let's get back to our message. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 29. Don't take what doesn't belong to you. 
That's not the verse in the Bible. That's what I just said. Romans chapter 8 verse 20. I said, our pastor quoted something. Don't take what does not belong to you. Because most of you quote your papa more than you quote Bible now. Don't quote me. Go quote the word. So that when I make mistake, you don't also make mistake. Get into the word. Whatever I say, check it out in the word. If it's not there, throw it away. Romans 8 29. For those whom he foreknew, praise God, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the word, the firstborn among many brethren. So who is the firstborn now? Jesus. So amongst all of us, Jesus is now the firstborn among many brethren. So if anybody even needs redemption, it's not you anymore. Because you're not the firstborn. Because we know no man after the flesh. So even if you are a Christian, for instance, and you feel your child needs to be redeemed, you and your child, none of you are firstborn. Because we only have one firstborn. How can you have two firstborn in the family? <laughs> one firstborn male. We only have one firstborn. What's that firstborn? Jesus. So by even telling a church member to bring his firstborn to be redeemed, it means that you, the pastor is... He has zero understanding of scriptures because in, in understanding scriptures, neither the pastor nor the member, nor the firstborn of the member are firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn among what? Many brethren. Because in the, in the book of Hebrews, it says we have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the church of the firstborn. He did not say we have come to the church of the firstborns. It's the church of only one what? Firstborn, and what's his name? Jesus. Let, let me tell you this Jesus must become the most important name in our messages. Jesus must become the most important thing in church. Jesus must become who we learn about in church. He must begin to have preeminence again. Praise God. Colossians 1.15. Colossians 1.15. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> I didn't finish that testimony. There are so many testimonies that came upon the trip. That's one of them. I met a man, 70-year-old 70, 70 man, himself and his wife. Didn't know them from anywhere. The man was dropping me off every day for the conference. And when I was to leave, he says, I'm going to drop you at the airport. I said, okay, not a problem. I was so glad. Saves me money. The man drives me to the airport. When I was leaving, he said, yesterday night, God asked us to give you some money. Gives me an extra $1,000. Somebody I don't know. But God knows him and God knows me. Praise God. You know the reason I can preach some of the things I preach at my age is because God is my source. And the day the Lord stops supplying, we'll close shop and go home and rest. No pressure. I'm not trying to become the most popular minister in town. Never my ambition, never will be. My heart cry is for people to understand God for who he is and to understand the scriptures. That's my satisfaction. That's my satisfaction. So when I teach some things, 
Don't think I'm attacking. He likes to attack people. No, no, there's nobody I'm attacking. I'm not for, I'm not against. I'm just for the word of God. Are you following what I'm saying? And I want you, if you come here, to love the word. Come here only because you love the word. Praise God. When Jesus, you know, Jesus fed some people. When, 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 uh, I'm redeeming the time the children used. I'm buying it back. Praise God. Is that okay? So 15 minutes later. I'm sorry for that, but stay. When Jesus fed the people, you know, Jesus fed the people. You know, they didn't come to Jesus for feeding. They came for the word. And Jesus was teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching and realized that, oh, they have not eaten. So Jesus gave them food. The Bible says the next day, the next day, church growth, the next day, he said the crowds came. He said, we're looking for you now. Where, where are you? Come and teach. They were not ready for the word. What did they want? They wanted food. You know, human make a project. So, God, ah, he come and teach service after. Where are you now? Teach. They, and that time, if Jesus starts teaching, they'll just say, Don't worry, we'll soon finish. That's how it takes time, but we'll eat. Don't just relax. It will soon finish. <laughs> it will soon finish, but it will give us food. Bread and fish. And you will eat enough. Don't worry. We'll even, ah, there were baskets remaining. You know, just come. I know Jesus. <laughs> Thank God for his wisdom. He says, this is the real bread. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> That's, but it's not what he preached yesterday. It's okay. Is it time for food now? Like I said, this guy not going to give food to do. And then the Bible said, people, they left him. Everybody left him. And you will think that Jesus will say, okay, come, come. Let me really explain what I'm. No. Jesus even turned to the 12 that is with him. He says, will you also not go away? And Peter said the most important words we can ever find in scriptures. He says, to whom shall we go? For you have the word of truth. Until we start building our churches that people come because they love the word of truth, we will just be a social club. If we love money more than the truth, we'll be a social club. You know why? Because every time we read a position that confronts that idol, we will skip past it. If we love our pleasure more than truth, every time we read about godly commitment, we will skip past it. Do you know Jesus Christ said that if you do not hate your own life or hate your family and hate your brothers, you cannot be his disciples? That's a good message. Hatred for discipleship. Discipleship for hatred. Kiki, let me look for a topic like that. I'll teach something like that. Why? Because there are times where this set of people, including yourself, is going to try to come first before God. Your pleasure, your desire, your will, your family. And they're going to be the things controlling you. Colossians 1.15. Praise God. Don't go back home and say, I hate you. Because I want to be a disciple of Jesus. He'll throw you out. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. Colossians 1.15, let's finish this up. He is the image of the firstborn. Oh, praise God. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. Verse 13. Thank you, Lord. Verse 12. Verse 11. All right. Strengthening with all might according to his glorious path, all patience and long-suffering, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We are the qualified ones. Say amen, somebody. Amen. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. In 
in whom we have present tense redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins we have it we have been redeemed so God cannot redeem you and you are not the one redeeming your son you that were that was redeemed you couldn't redeem yourself it says we have redemption Praise God. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. Why did he say the firstborn over all creation? Because even now, animals don't need to be redeemed anymore. Christ has also stood for them as the firstborn. He says he's the firstborn over all creation. So it's not just firstborn <laughs> over you. He's firstborn over all creation because all creation now belongs to him. Praise God. Jesus redeemed mankind from the depths of sin. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. I like this one. We must read this one. Ah, Psalm 49, verse 6 to 8. Anybody who tells you to redeem your firstborn children, cram this scripture. Just say, Pastor, read it and tell me what it means. Don't say you don't understand. Just say, tell me, sir, what it means. Sam. I like this one. Psalm 49. Praise God. I like teaching the Bible. I'm looking forward to the time where we're going to have teaching services. We just start from 8 and close by 10. You know, I was in a meeting in Podakot on Saturday. We had a teaching service. And the pastor taught from 9. And we didn't finish until 2 o'clock. It was a, was a good time. I really, really enjoyed myself. We were not many. But it was good. Psalm 49. Verse 6 to 8. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you here? Look at this. Do we have the Amplified, guys? But let's look at this. Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7, everybody. Verse 7, guys. Verse 7. 1, 2. Let's read it together. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. David even said this in the Old Testament. David, who didn't go to Bible school. He says, no matter the wealth that you have, you can redeem your brother. And it's very simple. If you have any bit of education, if you can't redeem your brother, you can't redeem your son. He says, nor give to God a ransom for him. Who do we even think God is? I don't know. Sometimes when we talk about this God, who do we think he is? That you give 10% of your income and you are harassing God all over the place. I'm a tighter. I'm a tighter. I'm a tighter. I'm a tighter. How much is the tithe? Because we have been trained to seek God as, you know, like a guy who, you know, you do this, he does this for you. You do this, he does this for you. If you don't do this, he won't do this. You are alive by the mercy of God. You are alive because Jesus has paid the price for you. You are prosperous because Christ has been made riches for you. God will forgive all of us. Tell you. Verse 8. 
Look at verse 8. Let's read it together, church. One to go. For the redemption of their souls is costly. It's costly. You can't, it's not money. Even if you want to look at it from, uh, from, uh, from a logical perspective, the blood of an animal cannot suffice for the blood of your son. So if you want to even redeem your son, it has to be life for life. And then somebody brings 20,000. He says, oh, this is what I'm using to redeem my son. If they give you that 20,000 to take home as your child, will you take it home? Because you don't know that redemption is equivalent value. See how somehow we mess up ourselves in Christianity and that's why sometimes people don't take us serious because sometimes we do like people who are not thinking. So you now dance to the altar with 15,000. So I've redeemed my son. Your son is worth 15,000. So if we now say, okay, don't worry, we don't want, the, we don't want you to redeem your son. Bring your son, take 15,000 and go home. Will you agree to go home? And we can do it like that now that we just want somebody to be cleaning the church. Okay, don't worry, he'll hold your 15,000. That's when you begin to say, I know. Is that what the Bible says? Why? Because we are just looking for relevance, looking for money, looking for breakthrough. All these things is rooted in covetousness. It's rooted in the love of money. Both the one practicing it and the one receiving the practice, both of them love money. Because you think immediately you do it now, God will be happy with you, then God will take you to the next level. So it is covetousness even driving you to those doctrines. It's not your love for truth. Because you think, if I do this now, that thing that will be holding my destiny, that is holding it, they will just lose it. What do you even want to do with the destiny itself? No clue. Okay. <laughs> I read from the Amplified. Even, th- even of those who trust in and lean on their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem either himself or his brothers, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the ransom of a life is too costly. And the price one can pay, can, and no price one can pay, can either, either suffice. The ransom of the soul is too costly. You know what, saints? That is why Jesus had to go to the cross. That was the, it was the cost that was making him to sweat blood. It was the cost that was making him to almost say, listen, if, it, if I have my way, I won't do this. It was that cost. This is what should give you confidence in your Christian faith. That a price, a costly price has been paid on your behalf. Praise God. So God accepted Jesus' life in the place of all the lives, life, lives of mankind. Just as God accepted the Levites in the place of the Israelites, God accepted Jesus for us. First John 4.10, quickly, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. First John 4.10, he loved us and sent Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Galatians 1 4. The word propitiation there is ransom or the penalty for our sins. Galatians 1 4. Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father. So the will of God our Father was that Jesus should die for us. Do you know why we have all these problems in church? Can I tell you something? Even me, I'm guilty of it. I'm beginning to repent of it. We haven't taught people a lot about salvation. So people don't even know the what. Do, do you understand? They don't know the what because now that's going to distract me. Let's go. I didn't finish this. Our time is gone. Christ's death paid man's redemption price. 
just as the Levites stood for the children of Israel, so Christ stood for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. We'll do two more scriptures and then we close. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. But have you, do you understand what I'm teaching this morning? Is it clear? It's very simple. It's just Sunday school topic. Very simple stuff. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be seen for us that we might become the righteousness. Listen now. We might become what? The righteousness of what? Of God. Righteousness of who? Righteousness of who? Listen now carefully. Follow me now. Righteousness of who? Of God in what? In him. In who? In Christ. Now, if you are the righteousness of God in Christ, let's say my brother in white has accepted the Lord. He's the righteousness of God in Christ. He is the righteousness of God in Christ. He is the righteousness of God in Christ. He comes to church and I tell him that he needs to pay to redeem his son. What righteousness, what righteousness is he going to achieve by that anymore? Like, what else? You're already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Last scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 19. That's why, listen, do you know why you should give in this church? You should give so we can keep the work going and get this message all over the world. That should be our primary motivation. That God, I want many people to hear these truths. Get it on radio stations. We got a text from a man in India a couple of days back who's been listening to our materials. Getting blessed, getting transformed. Literally, and I must say this, literally almost every week from this church, we touch close to a million people, literally. Try television broadcast, try internet. On our WhatsApp list, we have over 500 people who get our messages weekly all over the world. Two days ago, someone contacted me from China who receives our WhatsApp messages every week. On Telegram, we have over maybe 200 subscribers every week. We're not as small as you think. Praise God. But you know, that's just a fraction of the world's population who needs the truth. That's just a very tiny bit. Are you there? Last scripture, First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Praise God forevermore. Are you excited this morning? Say amen if you are. Praise God. Verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Like silver or gold. From your ablest conduct received by the tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb. Without blemish and without spot. He indeed was ordained from the foundation of the world. But was manifest in this last times for you. Who through him believe in God. Who raised him from the dead. And gave him glory. So that your faith and your hope are in God. He says you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Like silver and gold. Then he uses the word. But go back to verse 19 for me guys. Verse 19, but he uses the word, but with the precious blood of Christ. If you tie this up to Psalm 49, you discover that the blood of Christ was precious. It was costly. 
That's the only thing that can pay for our redemption. If you were not redeemed with silver and gold, which the Bible, go back to verse 18, which the Bible, which the Bible declares as corruptible things, how come you will now need to redeem your own child with those same corruptible things? It doesn't make logical sense. Praise God. Christ has paid the price for us. We have been redeemed. We have redemption. Praise God. We don't need redemption from anything else. Christ has redeemed us from everything. He has paid the price for our sins. He has paid the price for our sins. Glory to God. And we are the redeemed of the Lord. Praise God. Let's just thank the Lord this, this morning. Father, we thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we praise your holy name, God. We praise your holy name, God. Thank you. Thank you. Let's thank God that the truth of this word will go all over the world. That men will come into the light of God's word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That men will come into the light of God's word. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, we just lift our hands and we thank you, Father, for redemption. We thank you for redemption. We thank you for redemption. Blessed be your name forever. Blessed be your name forever. Blessed be your name forever. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We praise your holy name. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.